Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the single barrel inside the graduate. It is home football Saturday, Nebraska and Northern Illinois. I hope everyone's doing all right. We're down here at the single barrel from three to five, getting you geared up for the Matt Rule era game one at Memorial Stadium. We say hello, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman is side by side with me. And on the horn, one Mark Cranach is Cranach will soon be en route down to Memorial Stadium with his little guy, Tanner. Numbers to get in, 489-1240. 489-1240 and can also email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Big thanks to Rick and the crew at Sauter Heyman helping power home football Saturdays Sauter Heyman of course uh, excellence in jewelry in the state of Nebraska we say thanks to Rick and Sauter Heyman. Guys it's finally here after two bouts of road blues Nebraska at home finally for the first time and there's nothing quite like that home-cooked meal. Uh, there's nothing quite like the beef you can get here at the single barrel. Uh, and, and well you, played. Yes, and you can get all sorts of uh, steaks and chops here at the single barrel. Breakfast is uh, undefeated every morning, and they even have uh, cold beers. Cranach, do we got you, big cat? You got me. You got me. Uh, all right. All right. All right. So I, I'm interested here in in what you're planning experience-wise for for Junior, because it sounds like uh, Papa Cranach delivered big time. You are going to set him up big time for the rule era for his uh, first game in 2023. Well, getting a little lucky. Got going to get, get a little sweet action today. Never done that before. And not, not since, I don't know, what? Late '90s KRNU days of like calling Southern Miss games, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah that that part alone is going to be fairly interesting, and then uh, you know yeah yeah that goes. It's kind of a oh, hookup. It's kind of a hookup. It is. It is a hookup. Mark Cranach's with us here on the horn. Is he has the sweet action? I love it. Junior always would dirty his way into sweets. He's slinging pizzas today. Uh, big game, guys. We'll start around the horn uh, and talk about the opportunity here. To me, with Nebraska, uh, with this rule era, there, there's all sorts of, of excitement from Matt Rule about his homecoming. If you don't believe me, uh, listen to Coach Rule here because this is his mantra. This is his mentality uh, out of the gate here, finally back at the friendly confines for the first time this season. 
you know, I've worked my whole life. I've waited my whole life to have a chance to step out, you know, at Memorial State and be the head coach of the Huskers. They've worked their whole lives to go out there and get to put on that helmet and go out there and compete and play together. So I'm going to take the field with joy. You know, I'm going to take the field wanting to go 1-0, and not taking the field as an 0-2 team. And I think a lot of our guys are carrying around 0-2 with them instead of I'm carrying around the joy of playing this week. So, um, you know, it's just kind of being really transparent with you guys about where the team is. And this is what the team needs to do, though. This is how you reverse trends. This is how you change six, however many years it's been of losing, is that you confront head-on the things that you're afraid of. You confront head-on the noise you hear. You confront head-on those thoughts in your brain of failing, fear, and failure. You know, that little voice in your head at like 2 o'clock in the morning. You confront all that and you overcome it. And then you become a strong, confident team and the program has confidence. And so there's no, there's no easy way around it. So I, I hope that being at home helps us in that process. But the process that we're going through is still internal for each player, still internal in the locker room. They've got to overcome um, the past and be in the moment and put, build for the future. Guys, there's there's a lot of past for some players and, and zero past, just two games for a handful of the players. Cranach, start with you, Bill, follow, and then Elijah. But I think Rule hit it on the head, and some home cooking can absolutely ease some tension here with the crowd support, the fan support at home. Well, as long as you can field some snaps, right? Like, that'll help. Um, and, you know, maybe not throw a bunch of catches. I actually looked into the, the turnovers a little little bit and uncovered some things that are I think are pretty pretty interesting. It actually turned out to uh, actually not be interesting, but hear me out. So when you, when you looked at Nebraska's eight turnovers, five of them have happened in their opponent's territory, which is terrible, right? Because, like, you're on the march at that point. Um, you think of Anthony Grant's fumble against Minnesota, you know, that happened just past midfield and they recovered on their own 49. So that's awful. You can't do that. Right. Then you look at the other three turnovers and those happened within Nebraska's essentially like 25 yard line, if I'm not mistaken, all three times. And guess what? That's also terrible. So the conclusion that I came to after looking at those five being in opponent's territory, three being in their own, both of those suck. Like, neither of those are good <laughs> at all. And so the conclusion I came to is you can't do that. You cannot turn them over. And I was trying to look for any kind of trends I could see with the turnovers. They do seem to come in bunches. They're, they're typically back-to-back possessions. I think that happens, I think, three times, if I'm not mistaken. Back-to-back possessions where you, where you turn it over in a critical moment. So that's something to look out for. But then I think if you, you, you get there today, look, everybody in the, in the fan, most people in the fan base understand that occasionally you have to throw a forward pass. I think what we're, what, what I'm looking for today is like, yes, you have to do that, but let's do that in a way where it is very low risk. And if, if you have to, if you have to just lay up on the green, to get an easy put, just do that, right? If 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 you, if you have to punt it away, that's okay. Uh, don't put, especially if Harburg is playing today at quarterback or Purdy. Neither of those guys have much experience. Neither have proven to be very effective passers, especially with those guys. Just don't try it, right? Like just like literally, do not attempt complicated multi-read throws. Just don't do it. 
Just flat out do not do it. Nebraska does that today, and they stay mostly on the ground, and Northern Illinois is a pretty good run defense. They, they have a decent shot. The home token will be nice, but it, it absolutely does not matter if you keep putting it on the ground or throwing it to the other team. It's interesting in listening to Mark's analysis there because I, too, did the same thing. And while Mark took a much more circuitous route to the conclusion, I went straight to it and said the turnovers are bad. Just bottom line. You can look where they were. You can look when they were. And even somewhere there wasn't a turnover, but the ball got put on the carpet. That stalled the drive. It wasn't the uh, the snap to the fullback's hip. Yeah, on third, on third and manageable, you, you jump on the grenade to save the short to slash makeable field goal and it doinks off the right <laughs> which turned out to be unmakeable exactly so you you know you kind of have a buzz kill right there going into the the, uh, the field goal attempt so uh the the bottom line for nebraska you, you you're right you got to take care of the football and if we see a luke mccaffrey type passing game today where everything is eight yards or less right because we don't want we didn't stretch the field when he was here now he stretches the field by running routes but once you get somebody who's exposed that can't throw the ball deep and you can't manage a game, and you're right, Mark, you can't have multiple reads, it's going to have to be a quick passing game, you know, outs to Fedoni. Billy Kemp uh, probably is not going to be let loose, or Tommy Hill uh, might be a uh, – what, uh, what did Gus Johnson call uh, the tight end? Bo Riker? Bo Richter. Yeah. Bo- a Bo Riker uh, Bo Richter. Bo Richter. Bo Richter. Did, you know, did I hear Bo a Richter. niner in there? If, if, if Chubby Purdy throws to Bo Riker, you know, on little button hooks, okay, that would be good for Nebraska too. But um, it, it, no, no matter, and I think we do, I think it is Harburg. Didn't we hear that last night? Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be, Elijah's inside double secret probation sources indicate that uh, the German is at quarterback today. <laughs> well, but then again, I was down at the stadium today, and Husker Vision's starting lineup video has Jeff Sims as the starting quarterback. Does that mean anything? Probably not. From what I know from my time working at Husker Vision, Husker Vision did not have access to any inside information, game day availability information. They got the same depth chart that the rest of the media got, and they built their starting lineup video from there. Could that have changed since Matt Rule took the helm? Quite possibly. Is it likely? No, not at all. Husker Vision is probably still working with that public depth chart, which has Jeff Sims as your number one guy. Uh, I, I think based on the way momentum has been going, I think that Heinrich Harburg is going to be your guy today. If I was a betting man, that's where I'd put the money right now. And based on that information, today's a test of can Nebraska simplify their offense and win football games? That's, that's really uh, – Matt Rule said in a lot of words this offseason pretty much that. We want to have an offense that's physical up front, that runs the football, and can operate in cold weather. If you boil that down simply, it's what we've seen from Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota and teams of the sort in recent years. Simple offenses that can get it done. That's what Nebraska is going to need today. A, if you have a guy who's starting his first game at Nebraska in front of the home crowd, their first home game of the season. you got to have an offense that's simple for him. And really, that, that's the, the question of, of what Matt Rule wants to build here. Can he do that? You've had two games where the simple offense, it, it did enough against Minnesota until it shot itself in the foot with turnovers. Last week against Colorado, you built some drives in the first half, you shot yourselves in the foot, and then you had to move to an offense that was less simple to try to, to, to come from behind and win that football game. Today's the real test in terms of can your simple offense go win a football game. Northern Illinois is a team that you should out-talent 
you should be able to out-physical them based on their resources, the fan support, the recruiting rankings, the type of athletes you've brought into this football program. You should be able to, to run a simple offense and still beat Northern Illinois. Have you been able to take notes from those first two games, clean up some errors, and get those things right so that your simple offense can get it done today? Can Nebraska win this game by... Uh, running the football, play action, five-yard out routes, as Bill Dolman was saying, the little button hook to 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 Bo Richter, if we're going to call him that today, <laughs> to Borkature, to, to Fedomi, <laughs> Bo Riker, slant routes off the play action. Can your simple offense go win you a football game today? I would think that they can. That's why I predicted Nebraska to win this football game. But today's the real test of that. Can you go simplify your offense and win a football game? Elijah Herbal, Bill Dolman, Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. On the road here at the Single Barrel, 3-5, to five, the flex schedule with a night kickoff. We didn't do the morning edition. It's the afternoon edition, 3-5. to five. We want to see you down here at the Single Barrel. Get a cocktail, get a cut of beef you'll love and come back for. And a big thanks to our friends at Sauter Heyman for helping power this Saturday road show. Guys, simple is... Oh, man, it's so uh, wishful, right? It's it's always nice to keep things simple. Easier said than done. And let's get into Harburg a little bit, his strengths. And secondly, this offensive line. What do we know about the offensive line? We know that they have been a work in progress for a while. At least you have guys that have played a lot of snaps. But this will be... A nice little barometer because of what Northern Illinois' strengths are, and that is tough and physical against the run with, oh, yeah, it may say nine in the box, but it'll feel like 37. Uh, And Nebraska's going to have to be better, be as good as advertised on the line of scrimmage with the recruiting rankings and the number of snaps played. And, uh, of course, just be better. They may know it's going to go in the A-gap. They may know it's going to be a, a counter. They may know X, Y, and Z and what you want to do in the run offense. You still got to just say, okay, I'm Nebraska, you're not, and, and make it second and six, second and five constantly. I don't know if Nebraska's offensive line can do that. Do they get a bump from Teddy P today at left tackle? Do they move Turner into guard? Do they have other options at guard because guard and tackle on the left side have been problematic and can you find a bit of a rhythm and all the while keep Harburg comfortable I'm excited here my my numbers that I'm envisioning here for a Nebraska cover and a feel-good win 48 to 10 it'd be incredible I'm not stupid I think it's going to be closer than that I don't know if Nebraska's offense all season long with or without Sims with or without Harburg with this offensive line is going to do more for you than put up 20 to 24 points. That's a dream. That's doubling the outcome of what they're averaging now, and that's 12 points a ball game. Defense is good enough to keep a lot of people out of the end zone and keep them in the teens on a bad day, let alone clean up on a good day if they are, are dominant. So Harburg, to me, 12 to 15 passes. You need to be right around 60%. I need 12 to 15 carries with no injuries and, and make that a four-and-a-half to five-yard average. To me, that's that's a recipe. We're talking total offense from Harburg today, uh, somewhere around 200 yards with no to maybe one turnover. 
uh, in in as he manages the ball game. Cranach, what do you say? I mean, it's almost almost a carbon copy to, to what you just said. Um, and just to, to build on it a little bit more, it's you know when you when you get in those that slog of a game and you're not moving the ball that much. Um, I think we could expect that. It's going to come down to the same thing we talked about post-Minnesota. Whether or not Satterfield and, and Rule, or, or if Rule can overrule Satterfield or get in the deal a little bit, you, you need to exercise restraint, right? Like it's just, just because the down and distance might call for, oh, okay, well, on paper here, this looks like uh, we should probably go, you know, four wide and we should do some complex scissor routes and, uh, we, you know, we should throw it right into the teeth over the middle of, of a defense that's dropping seven. Like, no, no, you do not do that under any circumstances whatsoever. I, I wonder how much patience they'll be able to have if they're not able to move the ball that well and maybe the boo birds start to come out a little bit and the groans and the grunts start in the stadium of, ah, why can't you – can you move the ball? I, I want that and, and a good punting situation and a good and good punt coverage and solid defense so that you start to just creep and get better and better field position to where it's almost inevitable that you'll at least get a field goal. Um, I mean, I don't expect explosive fireworks of an offense today. It is literally just about getting a W. And the, the, the thing that makes that so complex when you're talking to Nebraska. It sounds simple enough, right? It sounds like, yeah, like why, why couldn't you do that? But handling the snap was a problem. So if, if you are going to play that way, you have to be really, really clean. right? You have to be really good at fielding snaps, at handing the ball off to a running back without any of them dropping it. Right? You, I mean, you have to be, because your margin of error is that much smaller. right? You're running clock all the time. Uh, your, your 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 possessions are somewhat limited. You, you just have you cannot do that. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that anyways. But if you're one of those hurry up offenses, you know, you're okay. You, you you're, you're going to get multiple uh, other possessions, and it might not stimulate that. Uh, but when you decide to play kind of that ball control possession type offense, the basics like fielding snaps and keeping the ball off the carpet are just paramount. You have to do those things. So that's the conundrum that they're facing right now, right? I mean, that, you know, I, I think that's the way they want to play, but they haven't even been able to do that, right? Regardless, though, the answer is not and will never be at all, period, with any of the three quarterbacks on the, on the roster right now. It will never be drop-back complex passing game. That will never be the answer, Ever <laughs> under any circumstances, you, you're, you're not able to protect well from the left side right now at all. Which, hello, that's the blind side. Uh, you don't have a, a, a great crop of receivers, and you don't have quarterbacks that see the defender. Like so, that part is just out of the just literally like if, if it's a printed playbook, rip those pages out, burn them, do whatever you have to do. If it's a word doc, delete those pages. Like, they just cannot come up whatsoever. Um, but I, I – so it's obvious what they have to do. It's just whether or not they can do the basics well enough to have that be effective. Well, I tell you what they should do, Mark. If those pages are already printed out with those complex passing routes on them, I think you take them 
out of the playbook and you leave him on the Northern Illinois sideline pregame. <laughs> Pull a leech. <laughs> Pull a leech before he'll call try to, to Texas. <laughs> try to trick him. <laughs> to where they it's pretty think good. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, I would agree that the, the passing game needs to be limited. But And the conversation between can Matt you, Rule. Can you win that way? Well, be, the conversation between Matt Rule, Marcus Satterfield, and if it is Heinrich Harburg or Chubba Purdy, all right, boys, we need to have an honest father-son conversation here. Not, <laughs> not, fall, not spring ball talk, not summer camp talk, not fall camp, any of that. It needs to be what are you comfortable with? Which of these plays are you absolutely 100% comfortable with, and the others we will take out? As you know, are you are, are certain routes difficult for you to read? Is there a certain defense that that throws you off a little bit that you might see that you can check down into a, a running play if we do have a pass play called? But it needs to have you need to have an honest conversation between coaches and quarterbacks as to what we can call. And, and Harburg and Purdy and even Sims has to be able to say, you know, at this, po- at this moment right now, that's not something that you know, I've not worked on a lot with Billy Kemp. Maybe I don't have the same rapport uh, with who, you know, who might be in that type pattern. I've got really good instincts with where Fedoni's going to be. Okay, great. We will try to work him a little bit more when we do put the ball in the air. I do think that this – that Nebraska's defense is going to give that offense a lot of opportunities, whether it's forcing turnovers, which they've not done a lot of either this this season. Um, but I think that they're going to limit long drives by Northern Illinois, who after two games against BC in overtime and Southern Illinois is averaging about 35, 36 minutes time of possession, but only 19 points per game. But I don't think that defense is going to allow uh, the Huskies to maintain a lot of possessions. I think you might see a, a, a high number of punts. Nebraska's going to have possession of the ball. And again, through the first quarter and a half in, in, um, in Boulder, Nebraska's offense, for the most part, part, most part, turned out yards, effective running game. They were getting five, six yards of play. And everything seemed to be going well until the final four minutes. And then all of a sudden, instead of being scoreless or up 3 nothing. You're behind, and you have no momentum going into the locker room. So I think that defense is really going to be significant as to how many opportunities Nebraska's offense has. And, Mark, you mentioned you know special teams and punting. After Minnesota, I think people were thinking, this is a really good special teams unit, and I think it probably could be. It's actually nice to see somebody return a punt every now and then. I don't think anybody's ever going to touch Oliver Martin's school record for fair catches in a season or career <laughs> or game or in a quarter. But uh, Nebraska special teams and Bushini, he, he was not great against Colorado. So no. we go from a, a special teams high, um, relatively speaking, against Minnesota and back down again, although I think everybody has some pretty good confidence in Alvano uh, that, that he's going to be a solid kicker for Nebraska. But Bushini's got to be consistent. And so special teams needs to be better than it was in Boulder. Fellas, and Elijah, you and I, circled the the when we talked halftime in boulder you're in the rarefied air with bushimi you had a pun of 39 you had a pun of 31 you had a pun of 33 that was all first half and the the levy didn't break till again that that 420 mark everyone's raising a fist in boulder (laughs) but that's when it happened you survived it 
and you had a, a kick of, I think, 45 in the third quarter, that first punt Nebraska had, but then then he got drilled with no flag as Northern Illinois is loaded up the bus here outside single barrel inside the graduate and as they are making their way to the stadium. But A lot of people complained about that roughing the punter call. I actually agree with it. I think he was blocked into the punter, but I digress. Right. There was, there was a little, there was a little uh, escort there to, uh, to his leg, but he, that surprised me. There's a lot of surprises in Boulder last week, but, but his kicking was, was one that just was, was problematic. You, you got a guy like Makai Bayer that, that thrived in Minneapolis on special teams and made the jump to start and get a lot of snaps over over 40 snaps against Colorado as as a linebacker who's that special teams demon today that could maybe get more time as the season progresses you need the kicking game to be good and I agree with you Bill that Nebraska's defense will be the offense's best friend potentially today with shorter fields that can help boost some confidence uh, I think I'm excited, guys. Are, Elijah, I mean, are you fired up to see what Harburg can do as Minnesota absolutely plants Drake May as he rolls to his right? He gets up and throws a touchdown pass the next play. Minnesota right now is looking for a helmet uh, to duck and cover. But I think, listen, I think this could be good. I mean, not only could, you know, get Sims get some rest and then recalibrate, uh, and, and then competition makes you better or you go away. But you also get a chance to see Harburg and maybe Pretty uh, get comfortable for the first time in their career. Yeah, and that, that's I, – I, I'm excited to see what Harburg can do, but I don't think today's a day where the, the game plan should be running through the quarterback with the exception being on a, a third and uh, seven type run. play where you have to – we have to convert uh, – in. I mean, from the quarterback beating you with his arms. That's why quarterbacks make the big bucks in the NFL, and that's why they – you know, get all the headlines as a college athlete. It's not for how they run the football, though that's how I think Harbor is going to be used today. It's how he throws the football. And as you said, I don't think you want a game plan where Harburg has to throw more than 12 to 15 times in the game. You want to limit his opportunities through the air, but it comes down to how does Nebraska get to third and manageable? Are they able to run the ball with success and set up third and three, third and four, where you can run the ball or throw the football in that third down to pick it up, make the defense think? And third down something that Nebraska's struggled with a little bit to start the season. You think back to that, that first half against Minnesota, they struggled to get off the field on third down. You think back to last week against Colorado, they struggled to get off the field on third down. And Northern Illinois, thus far this year, they're over 50% on their third down conversion. 17 of 33 while holding their opponents to 6 of 27 on third down. So Northern Illinois, they, they've done well through that through the first two games of the year and picking up third downs and uh, and limiting their opponents on their third downs, getting their defense off the field. That's going to be a story of the game today. You would think Nebraska's going to be able to have more success there than Northern Illinois' previous opponents whenever you look at the fact that it's Southern Illinois and it's Boston College, but you don't know until you get between those white lines on the field. How does Nebraska do on third down? How does Heinrich Harburg operate on third down? Those are two things I'm going to be looking for today. You know, real quick, we're talking about – oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, sorry, and, and I have to get out. Sorry, so just no, a, I was just a I was real, just going to jump in quick. and say, Cranach, God love you, good Godspeed, yep. and get down here safely. Okay, give me a prediction. No, I, will. I, I, I got I got one more thing. I got to lay out lay out just one more pearl of wisdom, and then I got to get out. Okay, um, so well, with all well, of his pearls of wisdom, we could be here all day. And we're going to just go to the bar, Cranach, talk. They might be fake pearls. I don't know. I don't know if there's much wisdom in it. But one one thing to look for today too. 
is, you know, for as well as the defense has played, and I think it's pretty obvious the altitude and then just the amount of times they had to come onto the field, sudden change, you know, they ended up wearing down against Colorado. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was necessarily Colorado found something and was able to dissect Nebraska. I think it was literally fatigue and, and those sorts of things. Um, but they have not turned, they have not gotten turnovers. And that is, that is legal. You are allowed to do that as a defense. Um, you, you are allowed Speaking to get fumbles. You are allowed to get interceptions. Legal? And in front of a home crowd today, I, you know, and I think that might be how Nebraska can win this year and potentially get bowl eligible. That part, it, you hate to lay put more on the defense, but they seem like they're structurally sound. They seem like they hit pretty well. They attack the, the ball carrier pretty well. Um, they're gang tackling. They're good open field tacklers. They have a lot of traits of a good defense, but we have not seen them create havoc um, like they could with turning the ball over and you know giving a, a more bound offense a short field from time to time. Um, so that's something to look forward to today, too, hopefully. Cranach, safe travels. Give me a score before we hit break. I liked what you had, man. I, I'm, I'm going to give it to Nebraska just because I think they will maybe get a couple turnovers, maybe a pick six, maybe a scoop and score, something, you know, those types of things that tend to happen at home more than they do on the road. Um, you mean Nebraska 24 and Northern Illinois 16. Ooh, 24-16. Okay. Yeah, Rocky Lombardi is not very good either at, at quarterback. I, don't, I hope I didn't say that out loud. But it's not like he's going to run a super pro, prolific offense either. I think they're, they're going to be limited to field goals quite a bit. He, he throws like a wrestler, right? Is, is that it? <laughs> he sure does. Craig, sure take does. care. Come, we'll, come on down. Well, uh, text me where you're at so I can go crash your, uh, your location at halftime. I don't know if they let you type in there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Let your type. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing sleeves today. Give me a break. All right, there he is, Mark Cradack with us. He is uh, taking his little guide out of the game today. It's uh, a sweet life for uh, for the Cradacks. I love it. Bill Dolman here with me, Chris Schmidt. We're here in the single barrel graduate where we're located. Ninth and P, you're invited out. We're powered by our friends at Sauter Heyman for this road show Saturday. Brandon Vogel of counter reed going to be with us a quick timeout weekend edition continues just ahead in nebraska northern illinois with hail varsity and now and now back to hail varsity radio thanks for spending time weekend edition hail varsity radio we're here at uh, the graduate hotel the single barrel where we're posted up great Food and drinks, over 200 whiskeys to choose from, all sorts of steaks and chops and burgers. And my wife and her little friends are across the way. <laughs> they're, 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 they're angelic looking. But if you... Little friends. Well, if you were to go try and touch her sangria, I'm sure a sharp object would come out of her purse. We welcome in with Counter Reed, counterreed.com, uh, Brandon Vogel. He's in his football office on this Saturday, scanning all the college football with some deep thoughts on Nebraska. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him. Elijah Herbal back in studio. Chris Schmidt, Bill Dolman. Big thanks to Mark Cranach. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, is in route. Vogues, how we doing, man? Happy game day. It's week three already. It is week three. After after this, we'll be 25% of the way done. Uh, it's just hard to believe. Uh, 
in a 12 game season. Don't enjoy that fact, but so it is. <laughs> Strange day so far in college football. So we'll see what, what, what the night holds. You've tweeted out a little bit on Wisconsin. They've struggled a bit. Notre Dame is kind of sleepwalking. Duke's only up by 10 on Northwestern. Minnesota has had problems. They threw a pick on their first drive. They got held to three. And now Carolina's driving it uh, deep into Minnesota territory again. Bama is trailing. That means three or four busted headsets. It's uh, three nothing case- in a weather delay. So that game is into well, a weather delay, and you never know how teams are going to come out of a weather delay. But three nothing is that the still the score? I yeah, and and I know if, if he's if, if Saint Nick's screaming at halftime in an enclosed area, they're going to try and get anywhere, any way possible away from him to go play on the field and and keep him happy. K State man, Missouri and Coach Drink, they get a big win, thirty to twenty seven over Kansas State. Does this Nebraska-Northern Illinois Illinois game fall into the same category for you as potentially Weird Vogel as um, uh, you have Drake May uh, picked off by that stud safety that did it to Nebraska a couple of times? Help me with the name, fellas. Tyler Stud safety. Yes. Another another Minnesota theft uh, in the secondary. Pretty impressive there as he made a great play as he was hit as he threw it. So Minnesota hanging in. They'll they'll make this a, a tough one. But does Nebraska, Northern Illinois fall into the weird category tonight, folks? No, I don't think so. Um, it, it figures to be probably a pretty close quarters game. Um, we know that's how I think Nebraska is built to play now. It's how Northern Illinois has been building to play under under Thomas Hammock. Um, in a lot of ways, Northern Illinois uh, feels feels like a Big Ten team, which maybe makes sense given it's surrounded by the by the Big Ten. So, I would expect it to be pretty pretty punchy, a little bit of a slugfest, and I don't know if it can get weird because you know Nebraska is a double digit <laughs> favorite here, but you know, based on what we've seen so far, and, and knowing that Northern Illinois is is not just a, a solid team. But like a solid program, which which Matt Rule alluded to this week, these games always kind of contain a little bit of danger in my mind. Well, speaking of weird, I'm not sure if I missed this or if I got glossed over. Georgia is currently losing to South Carolina just before half. Did you mention that? I did not get to, to Georgia yet. I know Georgia's had a history with South Carolina, and I think one of Georgia's best teams, fellas, I think their last, last home loss in Athens was to South Carolina, kind of a garbage South Carolina team that maybe went six and six or wasn't even bowl eligible. Uh, the Muschamp era, I think. It's been years. It's been probably seven, eight years. But yeah, South Carolina has a, a tendency to to play Georgia, or Georgia has a tendency to overlook South Carolina. <laughs> it might have been back in the Todd Ellis era of South Carolina football, circa nineteen what eighty six. Who was the who 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 was the was Tanny Hill ring a bell? Right, Tanny Hill is you with the A and M. No, he's he's A and M. Who was the three named mullet wearing South Carolina quarterback <laughs> of the late eighties? Well, that Vogue, narrows it Vogue's down. I, well, <laughs> Vogues, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and I, I don't recall the name off the top of my head, but I, I do recall who I, I vaguely recall um, 
Seeing, it's, it's, seeing some of that. I'm, I'm not crazy. Days. It's ringing a, it's ringing a bell. Hey, I was wondering if, if Vogues was uh, breaking news here on realignment when he said Northern Illinois is a Big Ten-like team. Are, are they joining the league? Is this an audition for them to join the conference? I think, think that would pass muster would, uh, the Big Ten uh, meetings. Uh, it, it would be an easy ad. About <laughs> halftime of, of the Wisconsin game, I was starting to think maybe Georgia Southern uh, should be added to the Big Ten. They'd uh, <laughs> held on and, and not gotten blitzed in the second half. That would have been they would have had more Big Ten wins since last season than Northwestern. So that's that's <laughs> something. I think that's worthy of an invite. Um, you know, Florida State struggled against BC. Um, Georgia, as you guys mentioned, is down. I think what we're learning is the only good team this year is Colorado, which is what we all knew coming in. <laughs> oh we were all God. saying it. Um, well, what, what do we you are. make of what do you make of this pregame battle in Boulder, where you've got Gronk giving away sixty grand, spiking? Someone's going to file a lawsuit because they broke their nose off the ricochet of, of a Gronk spike, possibly. There's some little snot-nosed Colorado student that won 60 grand because he could spin around 10 times on a bat, keep his balance, grab a football, run back across a 20-yard field, and then spike it in the end zone. That was the, uh, the, the, the bleep show that was going on in their pregame. Meanwhile, um, yes, Rick, I'm going to mention you as a sponsor. I have seven times. Uh, moving forward. <laughs> Um, you, you have The Rock that was sitting down with Prime on ESPN. And, <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, pretty pretty entertaining to watch Dion hand out sunglasses the last 48 hours, folks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been a wild ride. I, it made sense. ESPN got out there kind of the first chance that they had. I don't know why Fox is there again. Like, Colorado State is not good. Like, they're, they're just not. Like, I, I like Jay Norvell. I think he has a chance. And that's a program, you know, that we've seen. Um, well, it's been short of, I think, what its ceiling is the last couple of years by, by a good margin. And they're just not there yet. So, that one kind of perturbed me a little bit. Um, but it, it tells you, like, you go where, I guess, the ratings and, and then thus the money are. Um, so, Fox just might Fox just might live in Boulder for for the rest of the season. You know, it but it, it seems like maybe they're trying to catch them all they're hot too because yeah. they've got Oregon coming up. I'm a little surprised that they didn't go there. That's a little bit more key, but maybe they're looking at this thinking this doesn't look good for maybe them continuing on. They could lose to Oregon, they could lose to USC. They're going to get into some tougher games in the uh, in the Pac-12, which will probably stay together now that they're having a, a good season overall. But we better strike <laughs> well, well, while Colorado is hot, and let's go out there. We'll do a game day while the weather is beautiful because that's gonna. They've already got like three inches of snow on Monarch Pass this weekend, so you can't go out there later. So well, I think this is all a strategic thing as and and. You know, getting the story while it's there well, because and, it may not be there in a month. And Bill, while you're talking like strategic, it's a chance for for the national media industry to to cash in on college football feeling exciting again. And really, since the college football playoffs been instituted, it's been the same four or five teams every single year that are good. And hey, if Colorado looks good, they have some excitement. People care about Deion Sanders and what he's building there, the talent that they have. People seem to care. Let's cash in on that while we can right now because by the time the end of the year rolls around, it's probably going to be those same four or five teams. But if a neutral fan can get excited about college football again because there's a new 
team that's rising in the West and is, is coming for the likes of Alabama and Georgia, at least that's what they can sell it as, they're going to take advantage of that because you haven't had that for years. I want to see Bama. I want to see if Colorado wants Bama. I want to see that. I want to see that at some point this year or Georgia or I'm torn because I, I am – I'm overdosed on Dion. I'm not hating on him. I think he's an incredible player. I love his motivation. I'm sick of the uh, making it personal card. Okay? I need those cards burnt. Tired of it. And they're, they're, they're going to get whooped. They are going to get absolutely drilled either by Oregon or by USC or by both. And I still think they've got Oregon State, who may be the best team in the Pac-12 on their schedule. So... Uh, Dion talks about well, we're coming. Well, their their uh, their beating is somewhere on that schedule, maybe multiple beatings. But Dillman, you nailed it. That uh, it, it's it's a hot property now, and jump in on the trend uh, while it's still fashionable. And the minute they get drilled by forty by somebody, there'll be no more interest in in uh, well, not no more, but they'll. Uh, the shine will be off of Colorado. So let's just see how things matriculate for for the buffs. I, I think I, I'd love to see Jay Norvell pull that off, upset off. Isn't going to happen. Isn't going to happen. And quite honestly, I mean, Colorado's a, a fun story now, but that was totally a winnable game for Nebraska. I know the second half was a different story than the first half, but Colorado was all out of sorts. It was, dare we say it, another turnover that, that kind of broke things the way uh, for the Buffs, folks. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, I think looking at it in terms of which team was able to execute what it wanted to do, um, Nebraska did for really the entire first half. And, and, you know, and I think Rule was careful and right to point out a couple of times this week that basically halfway through the third quarter, it was still only 13-7. to seven. And, and, you know, when the dam broke, it broke in a, in a big way for, for Colorado. But for a long time, that game looked like Nebraska was engineering. Didn't just didn't have an upper hand, but it was like creating its own by executing what it wanted to do. So you can take things like that, I think. Um, and, and as you look at Nebraska going forward, they are legitimate things to build on. You know, tonight's game said it has – the potential to be pretty close quarters. I mean, I think with uncertainty of quarterbacks, certainly um, Nebraska might lean on the run game even a little more heavily. Um, the defense has been has has really shown some some real promise through two games. I think everybody sees that. A missing element has been, you know, you'd like to see a couple more takeaways. Um, you definitely need to be better on third down. If you if you get either of those two things, much less both, I think this can look pretty close to, you know, what the lines say in this game will be. Folks, it's been a while since we've been on the air on a Saturday show, but we are on the air today. So we're up against a break here. Uh, I need to get your thoughts, though, with uh, about the last 90 seconds we have before we got to say goodbye, at least this segment. What's your key stat for the game tonight? If Nebraska wins this category, they're probably going to win the game. Um. <laughs> probably third down I would I would go with that because I think the defense needs to offer some help here Nebraska is over 50 percent in terms of third down conversion allowed um Northern Illinois which hasn't been great offensively has been good on third down it's top 15 or top 20 it's over 50 they're at 51 so I think I put yeah. the 
Yeah, so I think I put the number for third down at 45%. If Nebraska can hold that, hold them to that, which is about average in college football, I think you'll you'll see a, a, a Nebraska win. Um, oh, live update too. South Carolina just scored, go up 14-3 one minute to go. Yeah, second after half, Georgia missed half. a chip shot field goal to bring it within a point. I'm all for South Carolina upsetting Georgia. That would be marvelous. That'd be incredible. Uh, and I don't think South Florida is going to hang on, but it could be get weird. We'll see. Well, Brent. There's another update, too. There was a weather delay in the Iowa-Western Michigan game, and that has really disrupted what Iowa wants to do offensively. <laughs> so that's something also to keep an eye on to see if they can't uh, get it back in gear because they were almost ready to maybe score some points today because they haven't <laughs> scored yet. But that weather has stopped Brian Ferentz. Carolina's up 21-3 to on the Goofers. Vogues will get caught up soon. Brother, thanks for jumping in with us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There he is. Counterread.com. Find Brandon Vogel. Hour two on the way, powered by your friends at Sauter Heyman. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. We're back here at the Single Barrel, Hour 2, the weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Mark Cranach in route. Bill Dolman at his own private table. He just moved away from us like... Guy is a bigwig. I'm Forrest Gump asking to sit in the on the bus seat. He's like, taken. <laughs> I'm enjoying my taken. chocolate milk by myself. Thank taken. you very much. So... The, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp is here. Sharpie, good to see you. Good to see you, boys. Welcome to the home opener. Just a little bit late. I know. Uh, way, way back, Elijah checked in on the uh, 1981 season. Now, this is the latest kickoff since 81. Oh. Uh, Nebraska has opened a, 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 had a, had a home opener in that season. Think about this non-conference. Yeah, you well. opened with the loss to Iowa. You beat Florida State. You had Penn State, and then you played Auburn. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, okay, so you'll remember it. Bill will remember it even more so. In 95, that was such an odd start to the season. because you, night. Yeah, you began on a Thursday night in Stillwater, and then you went to Michigan State. By the time Nebraska played at home, because you remember what happened after Michigan State, yes, it was do. such an odd opener in 95 for one of the best college football teams of all time because there had been so much had gone on in the first two games where LP essentially won the Heisman. We got introduced to Amon Green. And then Michigan State. You destroy Michigan State. And then the aftermath of Lawrence Phillips. It was, I remember that Saturday because it was a really, really odd, because the week was just totally turned upside down. But, oh, by the way, you have this incredible football team that now plays at home for the first time. Arizona State came to town, an Arizona State team that turned out to be a year away from a national championship run at 11-1. and And Nebraska, Clinton Childs come out and just dismantle the Arizona State team, Derek Rogers, walks out of the stadium, uh, out of the tunnel, per se, with a flag he's waving, bring the pain, bring the pain. Well, Nebraska did that that day. And was it, uh, God, Lance, did Lance do the backflip? That was the backflip. And then it was Lance Brown. Bill might have been, like, had a, a more in-depth on this when Bruce Snyder and Tom Osborne at midfield. Remember when Bruce Snyder went nuts on T.O.? For running up the score. Yeah. But what Bruce Snyder failed to realize was that Nebraska's track meet 
not only gassed at starters and second and third units so much that the starters had to go back in when it was like 49 to 7. And then Tom's like, well, you know, the guys are kind of tired. Got to get them, got to keep them fresh. I mean, that was literally, you had your third string players in that game that were worn out and needed a break. Who threw the touchdown? Was it the Terminator to Lance Brown? I think that's right, yeah. because that was the one that set him over the edge, and he wanted to go, Bruce, it's Matt Terman. He's like 5'8 yeah. from Wahoo. That's who just beat you with Lance Brown, who's 5'8 from what, Papillion La Vista. You know, that's who's beating you right now. It's not Lauren or Amon and, and Tommy. and it's We have our third and fourth unit out there, and they're still loading points on the board for you. Sorry. That was a sweet. <laughs> can I say something? That third-team offensive line in 95 was marvelous. <laughs> they were so good. They were so good. Uh, interesting interesting day today with college football as Florida State got their groove on and eventually distance from Boston College. That's the, the win that Northern Illinois has on their schedule. Hey, I, I'm maybe speaking too soon because oh, of no, the no. scoop and score. It's a nine-point ball game. Zone read here for the Knowles, and they get into the end zone and a little breathing room. Oh, that game's gone final. Okay. Yeah, that, that, yeah. sure. 31-29, Florida yeah. State oh, gets wow. the tight win yeah. over wow. Boston it, College. It, it, it didn't need to be that way. It was 21-7 to or 21-10 to at one point, maybe 31-10. to So it should be noted that Northern Illinois beat Boston College by more points than Florida State did. And as we zoom in, <laughs> On that Northern Illinois rushes game to the war horse. <laughs> <laughs> this is from our friend uh, Drake Keeler with Hale Varsity and Herd at Sports. Jeff Sims officially listed as questionable on Nebraska's availability yeah. report today. No other yeah. names listed on that report. Keep, keep, uh, keep the guy in the garage tonight. Can I ask a, a question here about the left side of the offensive line? We'll go around the room here as uh, Sauter Heyman helping power the road show Saturday here at the single barrel. Okay, left side of the offensive line. Teddy P., Needs to get into football shape and, 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 and feel comfortable on that left tackle spot with, with recovery from injury. Turner at guard versus tackle is is probably a better fit. What about Justin Evans Jenkins? Talk to me about him. He's the backup center. Is he a guy that Nebraska could play with a little bit at guard, either have him at center and move Scott to a guard? What type of, of, of tweaking do you believe? Sharpie, I'll start with you, Bill, and then Elijah – can Nebraska still do at this point in the year, or do they I, do nothing? I don't move uh, Ben Scott, but I will tell you that in fall camp, he almost won the left guard job. So he's essentially a 1B, but they haven't played him a lot. I mean, we're, we're to the point now, we're all waiting on Teddy, and, and maybe we've only seen briefly of him when he was a freshman, but it there's something, I don't know, there, there's something doesn't line up, because I think he's closer to 100%, and I know Rule is very cautious, but you are only hurting Turner Corcoran by continuing to play him at tackle. That's not his position. He's more effective at guard. But, you know, Ethan Piper hasn't played well. You took Ethan Which is Pi- too bad you took because e- yeah, you, want it, you want it for him. And you took Ethan Piper and Jeff Sims to Indianapolis. Those guys haven't played well. There's no. a couple like Ty Robinson hasn't played up to his potential that we've seen in the past. So, But I think that left side, I think he's a viable person. But how, you know... How how much will Rule just go in? Is he ready to make a change? But, you know, they really haven't played a game where you've been able to play a lot of rotations. So I, I, I wanted to know more about Teddy this week than Jeff Sims. How many times have we heard, well, we th- you know, Teddy's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that was before Minnesota. Yeah. And then it was, well, he'll be ready to go 
and you keep waiting for the big guy, and it, you, you know, you really can't miss it. And you don't see him at Colorado, and it's like, well, how many games are we going to keep saying that he's ready and then not see him that pr- to provide a little depth, whether it be dominant play on the left side or just depth play on the left side and for the for the offensive line? That's That has been the curious scripting of this for me when Nebraska's offensive line is every week he's ready. Yep. And then we don't see him. And then he's ready. And then we don't see him, even for a couple of snaps. And at some point, it's got to be a little bit like we've talked about with the quarterback situation. Get some guys out there just to get them some live action snaps so that maybe they're not playing 30, 60 snaps, but three to six. Just because he's out there to say, I did it. And that has to, I just am curious as to why the script is the same every week. Lijah, I know you love watching a line play. Uh, so, oh, I'm, I'm being commanded here. Bye, Bunny. <laughs> what well, did you want my Dion, thoughts on? She, well, I wanted offensive line. She gave me some Dion shades. What the hell? Are those blenders? <laughs> they are. They're going on. They're going on eBay. Uh, <laughs> offensive line, and just at, at what point do you experiment, settle? and keep grinding are, are you going to get better play from turner and, and ethan on that left side with more games michigan's two weeks away <laughs> uh, northern illinois is going to have all sorts of mean huskies ready to try and stop your run game you got a new quarterback behind center today you know, what are you doing if you're uh, sat riola uh, and rule with with that offensive line uh, i i love the counter game i saw briefly yeah. against colorado there is some some mobility there, but do you uh, do you try and get some more guys in, even if it is a tied game, a tight game, or you're trailing? Well, well, one thing that we've seen so far this year is we've seen rotation on that offensive line in a couple of spots. We've seen Latovsky and, and Nuri uh, flipping yeah. around a decent amount this season. I wonder, I mean, based on what we've seen on that left side, if this is a game where Teddy rotates in. He's not the starter. He's not the first guy out there, but he gets a couple of drives because one of the things that's really important, not just on offensive line play, but in football in general, is there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. I think Teddy is healthy. I'm not sure Teddy is in football shape. Is he ready to go for 70 snaps in in 14 play drives, 11 play drives, the type of drives you see when you're a running offense where you're going to be firing off the ball. I think that's probably the holdup with Teddy right now. You start getting his feet wet. He's had a couple weeks of practice now to start getting closer to football shape. It's harder to get into football shape when you don't have the grueling fall camp to do that for you. I wonder if this is a game where you see him start to rotate in. And you, you talk about Ethan Piper. It's so hard for a guy at left guard to be able to play up to his level whenever you don't trust the guy next to you. And based on what we've seen from Turner Corcoran thus far this year, I don't think Ethan Piper trusts the guy next to him. It's a lot harder to play offensive line when you're not just worrying about what you have to do on any given play, but you're also worried about what the guy next to you is going to do on any given play. Harder to play with that that freedom. And I, I wonder if, if Ethan Piper, we can see a new side to him if, if Teddy gets in there and you see more trust on that left side of the, the offensive line between Ethan Piper and Teddy, because you've seen that added trust on the right side. Whenever Latovsky's come in, whenever it's Latovsky next to Binhart, that right side of the offensive line, I would go as far as it looks better than possible. It looks good. I like what I see from that right side of the offensive line. Ben Scott has been 6 out of 10 this year. It's good enough to get some wins and to get some, some rushing attack. 
from your center. The left side of the offensive line is what's been holding you up thus far. And I specifically zoom in on Turner. It's something I've said before. He's been shuffled all up and down the offensive line during his career. He's never been able to settle at any given position. You've seen the results thus far this season based on on what he's had to go through in his college career. I feel for the guy, but at the same time, he's not at a level that is good enough to be starting at Nebraska, to be starting in the Big Ten, and you hope Teddy's ready. And if it's another game of struggle from Turner Corcoran, at what point do you say, hey, if Teddy's not ready, we're going to throw Gunnar Gatula in there and see what he has? Because Mm. what you've simply gotten from Turner Corcoran thus far this year is not good enough. And at some point, you talk about accountability. At what point is there going to be accountability for Turner Corcoran and say, you know what? We don't like what we have in Gunnar Gatula yet. I think you really like the potential of Gunnar Gatula. You don't want to throw a true freshman in there. At what point do you throw him out there? Because you've seen uh, Evans Jenkins come out there as that swing tight end, that sixth offensive lineman, and he's done admirably in that spot. At what point do you see Gunnar Gatula if Turner Corcoran can't continue to cut it? Good question. The other part of that, too, is is the help you need to give the left side of the line for protection. What are you going to do? Are you going to keep chipping with Ramirez? Well, or, or are you going to add you don't, Evans, you, Evans Jenkins and, or, or the tight ends? But you want Borkature and Fedoni. They got to be involved in the passing. They got to be the. Mm-hmm. They got to be the options in the pass game today. Well, you know, one thing they have done. So this was something they worked on leading up to Minnesota, and I thought we would see it a little bit more, and maybe a little bit more against Colorado is more of an unbalanced line. They have worked some offensive linemen at at like basically tight end, yeah. but it would be like an extended part of the offensive line. I thought we would see that, see that a little bit uh, sooner. Um, maybe we see it tonight. But back to Elijah's point about the left side of the line. You know, Gatula, the thing that is scary, guys, is if you're going to put a guy like a Sam Sledge or a Gatula, and, and Sam Sledge is going to have a big career at Nebraska, you've got to remember what is around the corner in two weeks. Do you really want an unproven true freshman out there playing left tackle? Now, Teddy Prohaska had one of his better games against Aiden Hutchinson. Yes. Remember that a couple of years so ago? He got hurt. But there's a big difference between Teddy as a freshman compared to uh, Gatula. But they have to figure that out, and they have to figure it out soon. Isn't it crazy about the offensive line? Because I think they have been okay. They've sometimes been may. They've been is, good enough. Is, but you, you uh, know what? You know one, one, one thing that Rule told us, and we all went, Matt, you haven't been here very long. We've seen enough football. Bryce Benhart has proven Matt Rule correct. Bryce Benhart for two games has played on the NFL-type level. Mm-hmm. That's impressive that you have not talked about Bryce Benhart at all. Negatively. Yeah, and that's been the case his entire that's, that's, career. That's what you want. He, he's, found a, he's found a place now, and remember, he was highly recruited out of Minnesota, but Corcoran is one of the highest-rated recruits that's ever said yes to Nebraska. Top 50, right? Yep. Top 50. And, and I, I, play I feel the Baker him. kid. <laughs> Playing today, you know, look, it's it, part of the NIL. You know, why, why don't you come in and uh, play the, and play part the, of your part of your visit? Yeah. It's a new new way to have your visit. You get to play, and this is what it would be like for you. And uh, have him line hey, up and get the get the real game experience. Bill, you know what? That I, I actually think he could probably hold his own for a bit in the college game right now. Not not an extended period of time, but I bet he would be okay playing there. I mean, that shows you how good hey. he is. But the, I love that idea. Baker, come on back in, in two weeks they, for Michigan. Hey, when they take the picture of him right. in the uniform, yes, they exactly. say, hey, come with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like the uh, you know uh, Mike Leach, you know, letting the, letting the kicker come out of the, the stands at Texas Tech or, yeah. or, or Mississippi State, wherever it was. Yeah. Now, Texas and Ohio State might be a little bit upset, but, hey, we need a win here. Yeah. It, it beats well, the uh, – it, it absolutely <laughs> beats the – uh, you know, 
roll of the dice. Uh, just hey, let's let's make this five star uh, retreat a, a reality and and bring him in. I love. Well, Schmidt, uh, Colin in the the stream chat actually brings up a point a lot of people have forgotten about when you talk about that left tackle spot and. And Gary asked the, the rhetorical Ooh, question earlier. Nice. Gary asked the rhetorical question earlier of would you rather have an unproven true freshman coming in against Michigan at your left tackle spot? Well, would you rather have an unproven true freshman or what has already been proven in Turner Corcoran? I, I kind of err on the side of unproven. But this question here, Walter Rouse, that's a name a lot of people forgot. Remember that he was yeah. the future starting left tackle of Nebraska for three days? What's he doing at OU? He's playing a lot. Yes. Yep. Playing well. He, yep. <laughs> yeah, I just hits kind of keep on coming, don't they? Uh, Nebraska trying to get it figured out. Minnesota's cut it down to an 11-point difference here. Carolina and the Goofers, 21-10. to 10. Boulder's been a nightmare if you're trying to drive through. Man. That, uh, Brian Ferentz, the drive for 325, has hit a uh, pothole on I-80 outside of Colfax. <laughs> yeah, it's 10-7. to 7. Western Michigan tra- uh, up by three on Iowa. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 is grinning with eight teams ranked. We're here uh, inside the graduate single barrel where we're located. Weekend edition of Hale Varsity as uh, we're getting the season, the home, op- the home opener kicked off. Nebraska, Northern Illinois. We're powered by your friends at Sauter Heyman as uh, we are on the road here for this opener back next week for Louisiana Tech. I've been told that Harbaugh has rented out for a second time in Lincoln the entire graduate. So uh, we will be TBA at the uh, at the whim of Mr. Harbaugh, where pregame ain't going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Studio Thank sure you, is nice. I tell you what, guys, from my I, well, vantage point, I, I will I will take your word for it. We're thirty <laughs> feet from a bar, though. <laughs> so, guys, let's dive in. I know we've talked about the offensive line. I know we've talked uh, a lot about Harburg and Gary Sharp here. Bill Dolman also on location. So I'm, I'm interested with the, the defense. Are, are we at the point where they are going to have to do even more, Sharpie and, and Bill, follow up with that, and Elijah? I think the defense, God, it's not fair, but if they could get the football or even score, uh, that, that eases, again, some of the tension uh, for this offense. I think the offense will, will feel a little bit more confident just because they know – Harburg's kind of a tough runner and, and, and probably listen, he, he doesn't have history of, of ball security issues. So I think from a from a, a mentality standpoint, the team can be all right going into this. Plus, they're either ticked off or hungry or they're somewhere searching for this first win. But the defense is going to going to have to key it again, Sharpie, uh, with this with this night kickoff. Well, one thing on Harburg, uh, so I've heard from a reliable source that the ball has not been on the ground or in the hands of the defenders this week with Harburg uh, running uh, quarterback one. I mean, and they've done it since Sunday. So they've kind of been planning that Harburg is going to be their starter. I think you'll see a heavy dose of quarterback run game. you got to be careful. This defense, it's a good starting point. They have to get better in terms of takeaways and getting off the field on third down. But you don't want to go a long time where it's the defense bailing out the offense. Because there's going to be somebody on the defense that's going to stand up and they're going to say, hey, why don't you guys hold up your end of the bargain? Um, but it's kind of tough to live the Iowa way. We've seen yeah. that. Hey, just be good enough. Can you be good enough and then we'll find some points to win? Because at some point there's going to be a key game where they just don't have the horses to keep up with uh, a talented offense. Now, the next couple of weeks at quarterback, it plays into your hands. 
Um, but I like where this defense is. I like where Tony White is. They're playing a lot of guys. Guys are happy. Guys are flying around. They're further along than I think any of us could have thought because they've done a really good job of teaching it and then implementing it. And so they put you in a good spot, but you can't live like that. At some point, the offense has to help you out. And let's be honest. Talking about the defense, how it relates to the offense, if the offense wasn't so erratic, you know, Nebraska wins Minnesota. And I truly believe, and I know I'm changing kind of the question here, this, the, the, the thing about Rule this week, looking at his defense and praising them and knowing what challenges they have in offense, he talks about belief. So guys believe in what they're doing. They just haven't been validated. And I think belief is a strong thing, but you need an experience of, hey, I believe, and look what it did for us at one. I truly believe if Nebraska wins at Minnesota, they would have won last week in Boulder. Could have. It didn't happen. They're 0-2. So I think the defense has, has further along in the belief that what they're doing is working, where the offense believes, but they haven't really been able to show anything yet. The thing that I also think that they have belief in is uh, in each other. When you consider the fact that Nebraska has played, I believe, 63 or 66 players in the first two games on the road. Now, it's not, that's a lot of players, right? If you're playing your first two games at home, then those numbers get into the 80s and 90s, and I think Tom used to probably play 150 guys against Arizona State back in 1995. But those are road games where guys are going on the trip and they're getting to play on the trip. And of those 63 or 66 players, 33 of them are defensive players. And we saw Riley Van Poppel, and we've seen Prince Well, and we've seen Cam Lenhart. They're not just getting in there and, and getting a couple of snaps. They're playing in significant moments. Maybe it's at the end of the game. But the more guys you get out there, that when their teammates see them out, they know they can get the job done for the most part. I think there's a lot of belief collectively in what Tony White is doing with the defense, but those players are probably now lining up and believing in the guy who's lining up next to him that that play yeah. is, is going to get made. And it doesn't matter if it's a freshman, right, or some newcomer, or it's a guy like Reimer who's been around for a long time or one that you really root for, Nick Henrik. Uh, that's the thing that I think is really significant about what was it? What, what did Desmond Howard call it today? Nebraska's prevent defense uh, against that, Colorado. That is the greatest prevent defense in the history of football. <laughs> if you can get eight sacks, yeah. right? <laughs> Nebraska ran a, a, a game eight sacks, a, eleven TFLs on, on a pre, prevent. Nice, really good. Elijah, you know you talk about this defense in Nebraska. It's impressive. Guys that we've talked to, all of us here have talked to during the recruiting process, not only are, are seeing time, fellas, but they're they're contributing at a high level. Van Poppel, to you guys' point, uh, Princewell, and then Lenhart. I mean, what kind of kind of you know sequel does Lenhart have today? I think I think Robinson played well against Minnesota till the headbutt. Uh, I think Polar Bears looked incredible and Elijah Henrich looks like a different player. He is so agile right now. Reimer's been good. We talked about Bayer. The secondary has been money. It's fun watching this defense. But the young guys, man, they've really hit at least so far with some of these young prospects. And what's, what's so key about that defense when you compare it over to, to young guys that you're trying to get on the field in offense, particularly in that wide receiver position, is look what the, the guys around them are allowing the freshmen to do. You have a lot less pressure on the freshman's shoulder whenever, you know what, you have three defensive linemen lined up with them that you can trust to do their job. 
Uh, so uh, I really like what I've seen from the freshmen, but what's nice is you're not expecting those freshmen to carry your defense early in the Husker career. It's, it's guys like Cam Linhart that get to come in and, you know what, three or four snaps, get, get to go show what you have. And you can trust that the other guys in that defensive line are going to hold up their end of the bargain as well. Same in the linebacker room with Bear. Whenever you get to line up Bear with John Bullock and Luke Reimer or Nick Henrich or whatever the linebacker rotation is, you feel really good about those other guys in the linebacker room and it allows you to feel more confident in the freshmen. And, and that's something that I think we need to flip around and talk about with the offense is how much pressure whenever people talk about Malachi Coleman and people talk about Jalen Lloyd. How much pressure are you yeah. putting on those guys whenever those are the only true deep threats that you have in an offense? I mean, look back at the Minnesota game. Who's your deep threat in the fourth quarter? You're looking to take a shot. It's Tommy Hill, who's a cornerback. Yep. Yep. I, I, I think so. The problem with the young freshmen is, I mean, they have to, they have to come through at some point this year and mm-hmm. then for the program to move forward. And I wonder if you'll see a little bit more. Guys, it's going to make a big difference tonight. Nebraska's playing at home. Yeah. There has been some quirky stuff. Um, they had some travel issues last year, last week getting to Boulder. They just, there's unfamiliarity. So now guys that have played here, they're going to feel, they're going to be sleeping in their own beds, essentially. So I think that will make a difference with certain guys. Now we can get our feet on the ground. Like Bussini, I think he'll be better today. But back to the defense and talking about the younger guys, here's another sign that y- you hope this equates to the offense as well, but let's just focus on the defense. How about also the fact, Elijah brought up, Bill brought up Bayor and him coming off the milk carton. How about Jabari Butler and Nick Henrich last week? They didn't play the opening week. They come back from an injury, and you wouldn't have known it playing against Colorado. They got right in, and they played well. That's a huge sign because we haven't necessarily had that when guys have either been on a milk carton, and then when they get the opportunity, they come through, or they've been injured, and their first game back, they splash. I, 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 I said this on my show. I've got a man crush on a 44-year-old, and it's not you, Schmitty. It's, it, it, it's Tony White. Because because I think I think Tony White is – there's, there's refreshing to have a competent defensive coordinator that he, he coordinates his assistants. He doesn't coordinate the defense. He coordinates his assistants. And they've got some great teachers on that side of the ball. And that side of the ball gives you at least okay. I can see the picture because I thought the O would be ahead of the D if we were talking in the middle of the summer. Well, and you know who's praised the defense all week? It's been Urban Meyer. I was just going to mention yeah. that. Urban Meyer has done nothing but go wow with Tony White. Uh, Tony White's name is going to continue to get thumbs up with the analysts. Tony White's defense, assuming they're not hung out to dry or rung out to dry, is going to continue to be the strength of this Nebraska football team, hoping, if you're a big Red fan, that the offense will catch up. And Tony White's going to get more phone calls. Uh, maybe at the end of this season because of uh, programs wanting him to lead. And Dvorak, the linebackers have been awesome. Yeah, I, The linebackers have been good. The secondary's been money. I think Terrence Knighton is. Potrose has been dude. big time, yep. right? And, and it's well, interesting to see those guys. Um, I, th- I think we've seen what Corey Campbell has done in reshaping the bodies of those. Because I see Cam Lennart. On that, and they, you know, making a play or getting it, uh, getting on the screen, and you're like, he looks like uh, he, he probably goes 250. I think is, and not, not in the Stefan Wynn uh, defensive <laughs> line category or the uh, wow. jun- or Junior Maneras. Um, <laughs> there are guys catching strays from Bill. That are long gone. Bill's jumping off the top rope, steel chair in each hand. Uh, but you know, it, I, I just look at the way that those guys have been conditioned 
and the the body makeup and you're talking defensive linemen who look like middle linebackers uh but the athleticism is there and that's that's the thing about that that 335 defense that when we first started talking about it a few months ago I saw it when Rocky Long was doing it in New Mexico. I had a chance to talk to him about it. It's about angles. It's about being athletic. And it's about beating your guy to that angle to make the play. And we're seeing that uh, from Tony White's scheme and Corey Campbell's scheme to get him prepared. And, guys, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse here, but we talked about the fact that there might be calls for head coaching gigs for Tony White. Let's take a look in the mirror for a second. I don't think Nebraska is safe from a big dog in college football coming and calling up Tony White and saying, hey, I need a defensive coordinator next year. Nebraska is... is Look at what the past decade has been. If Alabama or Georgia or Texas or Ohio State comes calling Tony White and says, I see what you did to the Husker defense, I want that here. Nebraska's not safe right now. So it's not just head coaching jobs that Nebraska should be scared of with Tony White. The history of Nebraska would say that's what you worry a coordinator leaving for. But let's look at what Nebraska is right now. Tra- Trev and Well, they, 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 they it became a financial thing, yeah. But, but you know, here's the other part of that is, I mean, how many – how many assistants from here have been courted by other programs? Now, back in the, the glory days, it was really, really good to be an assistant here. You were taken care of. You were working for a legend. Um, and you kind of got to be your own person. Now, since then, there hasn't been many times where an assistant coach or a coordinator have been openly courted by another program. I think that says a lot about Rule and coaching coaches and him, his hires. Because... Uh, uh, Tony White won't be alone down the road. I think Terrence Knighton and Evan Cooper will also get a lot of attention. The guy that comes to my mind is Tuioti going to Oregon. But, but, but there's a number of guys on that staff, previous staff, that I think said, you know what, dude, we better get out while we yeah. can get out. So you, you go start looking. <laughs> and uh, they did. As Minnesota's trying to make this an eight-point game, uh, as they're kicking a field goal here against uh, the Tar Heels, it is empty seat night in Chapel Hill. <laughs> as they uh, they hit it, and it's a one possession game here for the hey. Fighting Flex. Vic hey, the, Vic the, from Denver is weighed in, and he is praying that I do not need his special batch of reserve tequila he brought to us in Boulder at the Big Red of the Rockies last Thursday. Vic, the uh, Templeton's about gone. Uh, God love you. Uh, we we have had a little tequila, and we'll uh, we'll get after it maybe as a cheers. Nebraska got on the the board. We aren't supposed to cheer, but uh, it's been a, a lot of doom and gloom the last two weeks with an zero and two start. They, they are in desperate need of a victory. I mean, just because the dread kicks in, like what they're the okay. First of all, they need a win, but I think they need a quick start tonight. Whether it's Harburg or Bill Dolman playing quarterback, no offense. Um, <laughs> and you're throwing to Elijah, no offense. Dolman's doing his best, Ted McGinley. But, but Nebraska in, uh, need Nebraska off, Nebraska offense needs a quick start. They need something. They need to feel good early in that stadium because, you know, it's the first game and you feel that dread a little bit. I think people want to feel good. And if it is a you know, and I think this could be an ugly game because of the way Northern Illinois plays. If you're really stopping and starting, especially offensively, man, that just vibe is really, really uncomfortable. So I think they need a quick start and, 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 and not make this game like a tension convention. Keep it at arm's length. Sharpie Moore. Gary Sharp, 
quickly right. before we take a break, I know we need to take a break here. Sharpie, more important that the offense plays well tonight or the defense plays well? And I know the answer is always going to be a combination of both, but where do you think the pressure is going to lie tonight? Uh, I, I'm going to go opposite probably of most people. I'm going to say the defense. You played two Power 5 programs. Now you've got back-to-back -back weeks against not very good quarterbacks, not great offenses. You're playing group of five. You can't take a step back. You need to now take a big step forward. I'm not really sure about the offense because until you get the ball handling the stuff taken care of, everything is clouded on what they're trying to do, even though they've been able to run the ball. Mine is on the defense for the next two weeks to take that next big step forward. Huh. Interesting. Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. Uh, offensive line standout back in the day for the Southeast Knights, Elijah Herbal. <laughs> As, asthmatic, Chris Schmidt. We are here. At what, the, what, what team did you play for? I said asthmatic. Oh, oh, oh. Asthmatic. <laughs> The, uh, the fighting asthmatics. <laughs> the obscene phone call asthmatics. The fighting uh, asthmatics sounds like a terrible boxing league. <laughs> it's only one round. Hey, didn't, didn't, weren't, 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 and it's funny. Weren't they playing Goldie Hawn's team in Wildcats? No, I don't. I love Wildcats. You know what's the best? The, the best and the worst part is is the the bathtub part of Goldie Hawn. And, okay. Well, point Welcome is, to game is, day. Right. You, you, you know, you're, you're sitting there watching it with your little brother, and that scene was there. Well, Dad smiles about it. Mom's like, what are you watching? <laughs> like, hey, you rented it for us, Mom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, we're here uh, inside the graduate single barrel. Great steaks and chops and 200 whiskeys to choose from. A quick timeout. We'll wind down, get some predictions in. Hail Varsity ahead of Nebraska, Northern Illinois, as uh, we're powered by your friends at Sauter Heyman. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back here, Hail Varsity Weekend Road Show. Where are you going? I'm just grabbing. Right. Oh, shoot. All right, we got some friends from Oklahoma, Brent and Jason. Father, son, making their way to their second Nebraska game that came by the single barrel here in the graduate. It was pretty awesome to see them. I, I think Jason could uh, play on the line, fellas. Yeah, well, that's. I thought he was. Uh, I actually thought he was like here on an unofficial. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's a big boy. Hey, you know what we should do here? We'll do a little roundtable. And yes. I know, I know, you want to get to predictions and stuff because it is kind of cool. Like coming in from Omaha today. Um, the traffic wasn't heavy, but, you know, once you get to Lincoln, it's opening day. It has a different feel. The weather is absolutely beautiful outside. Awesome. Is It's kind of cool that Matt Rule is going to get to experience this for the first time. Never been in the stadium outside of one game where, you know, he gets to be, like, part of the experience. Um, Bill, your first game. What's the first game you remember in Memorial Stadium? Uh, boy, it was, it was either a, a Nebraska TCU game. Or Nebraska Missouri Tom's first loss. Ooh. I was there for that. Seventy-eight. Uh, uh, Seventy-three. Oh wow! Uh, it was as I recall, it was a little chilly that day, <laughs> and I think it was thirteen twelve was the final score. The TCU game, total ass kicking. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Mine, so, yeah. mine was 89 Oklahoma. I convinced my mom, because I was growing up in the Des Moines area, uh, I wanted to come over to a game, and I wanted to see Nebraska-Oklahoma. And oh, that Oklahoma 89 team was not very good, but that's when I was like, oh, Jerry Godowski's better than Steve Taylor. He had a monster day in Ken Clark. It's like, it's, it's so cool it's that we all remember our first game. Like, it, that, that's something special about this program and that stadium. Well, I'll, I'll never no, forget it. 
and Schmitty, Knowing your research, Sharpie, hold on. Yeah. You know that OU is on TV probation, so yes. you was a hell of a sell job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Elijah. Sorry well, about that. The thing we about the first game, <laughs> first game, I remember it was 2005, Texas Tech, Nebraska. Nebraska lost the game. Oh. That doesn't matter. Oh. I'll never forget, though, that first feeling, walking out of the gate and seeing the student section for the first time, and we were there 45 minutes before kick, so the stadium hadn't fully filled in at that point. But I'll never forget that feeling of walking out of the gate and seeing all the fans in the stadium and finally understanding as a little six-year-old, oh, this is what they mean by the sea of red, because the TV never did it justice until you were in that stadium on a sunny day and went, that red is different. The sea of red is different in that way. 2005 Texas Tech, Nebraska. I won't forget it. Old Jay Moore had his... Mitts on the interception. Lakeven Smith took it away. Lakeven fumbled. We game-winning field goal. Away we go. <laughs> away. Your first game? It was 87 Arizona State, Nebraska. Okay. I think I think it was 87 Arizona State, Nebraska. It was at night. Okay. Okay. And the sunset I'll never forget because we were kind of high up, West Balcony. And you could kind of turn and look. West Balconies, where Dad's company had the, the seats and all four of us got to go. My first, like, real, real game. I sold a bunch of popcorn in 88 for midget football, and I got to go to the Nebraska-Oklahoma State game with Barry. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I worked for the neighborhood. points in that game. My little red wagon and all my Husker popcorn. I went around and around <laughs> and around. And I was like, look, I got your family cat here. You're going to buy this whole, <laughs> this, whole, this whole red wagon of my popcorn so I can go watch Barry yeah. run. You, you know, uh, I, I was talking with someone earlier this week. There's the other part of, like, this experience in the old grandma on 10th and Vine that's turning 100 years old. How cool is it that there are a lot of either yourself or your friends – their first game in that stadium, it was their grandpa or grandma that took them. The it wasn't mom or dad. Yeah. It was grandpa or grandma. Longtime season ticket holders took to you took you to your first game. That's pretty cool. It, it's it's such a family affair at the stadium. A hundred years celebrating it, celebrating it, and awesome insight as always from Mike Babcock and Evan Bland had a great story as well this week. And yeah, I mean the the big big games. First Oklahoma game was Calvin Jones, 91, just cold as all get out, the 90 Colorado game. But but uh, going to that, not, you were part of this too, Bill, the 91 Washington team, Steve Etman, oh, night Napoleon game. Kaufman, night game, Mark, Ab, Ab, Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel and Billy, Billy Joe, Joe Hobart. Yeah. Billy, yeah. Billy Joe Gunrack. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is one of the best teams that's ever played in Memorial Stadium, so not named Nebraska. I mean, they were really, really, I mean, there were some title teams, uh, you know, some Oklahoma teams in there, but that that Washington team was really, really good. And um, I, I can't think, it's probably a handful of more, Oklahoma, obviously, Ninety four. they were really good. 94 Colorado was an NFL team here. Yeah. And they got their asses handed to them after stopping, after, after stopping on the end, and we took that personal. And they wore, uh, <laughs> they wore T-shirts when they got off the plane, um, the real black shirts. And we took that personal. Yeah, and, they, and, and we did. And they got beat by a better NFL team, that 94 Husker team. Yeah, that was, that, that was good. No, some of the greats, though, and Sharpie, I love this topic. Um, we got to see Troy Aikman here. In, in, uh, I, yeah. I did not, but UCLA came here in 80, 87 because he sat out 86, left Oklahoma in 85. But Aikman was here. Uh, seeing that Washington team was really good, Barry I mean, we, Sanders. We got to see Barry Sanders twice. His first game here, uh, 22 carries, 33 yards. 
Well, he, the, the thing that was funny is Coach McBride will always say this. Don't hurt Thurman. <laughs> he would tell every member of the, 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 those late 80s teams, don't hurt Thurman. If you hurt Thurman, they're going to put that damn berry in. <laughs> I'm not, not kidding. I'm not kidding. Anyone who hurts Thurman is going to be running all next week. You can just hear McBride saying it. But, yeah, they had Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders on the same squad with with Gundy and Hartley Dykes. and They, they were a party team. They were awesome. And well paid. Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were. That never happened to Hartley Dykes. I don't know, but he but he was at New England with, with Irving. The hey. funny thing is Jack Pierce's h- hilarious comment about trying to recruit Hartley Dykes. He's like, Schmitty, he, uh, he he wanted to shake your hand funny. Instead of <laughs> up and down, it was out. His <laughs> palm was out, and he just was, he, he was just waiting. Hey, did we all reminisce today watching K-State and Mizzou on the same field for the that second straight cool. year? But, but, you know, like we just rattled off like big eight player after big eight player that was not playing for Nebraska. Those were the days where everybody had characters. Like you knew at least a handful of players on every single team in the big eight. And the coaches were yeah, characters. Coaches. Like Pat Jones. Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Pat's the best. Yeah. He's still hilarious. Well, that was that was awesome. Guys, well, we, have about, know, no, we have about 90 seconds here if you want to get to predictions before we have to take uh, our last break and get out. For I was going to say real quick. Is, you know, is this like end of the show last like break? Or, yeah, like, or no. like end of the show. Like we have 90 seconds left and then we have okay, to Okay, we've just kind of blasted through this. The weekend edition of Hale Varsity here at the Single Barrel powered by your friends at Sauter Heyman. See, it's, it's so nice tw- on Saturdays whenever we don't have commercial breaks usually, but we're back. <laughs> Tw- 21 to 9, Nebraska wins and uh, barely a cover. Dolman? I told you yesterday, Nebraska covers the over and they cover the spread. 43 Ooh. to 12. Okay. Uh, 27 10, uh, update Jeff Sims is out throwing the football with the other two quarterbacks. And it should be noted, Jeff Sims not wearing an ankle brace, but he was taking reps with the third-string center. And he has been giving tips to Heiner Carber during the warm-up. So looks okay. like more momentum moving towards it, despite look at, that. Look at, look at Insider. Yeah, Elijah's got the old bat phone working. I, oh, I, I keep my finger on the pulse. I'll just say that. I will say <laughs> uh, I have... But not the razor. I have not changed my prediction from last night. I'm still going 28-6. to six. Nebraska gets it done. I think the defense is the star of the show today, and the offense does enough, especially in the second half, to, uh, to make it a game or a, a, a not-close game. I, I think it's uh, the defense that wins the day, though. All right. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity, and, of course, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Check that out. Elijah, good stuff. We'll catch up with Elijah postgame on Real Red. Big thanks to Sharpie. Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, Chris Schmidt. Talk to you soon with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.